jungle sea's gone with the angels of morns. Fulan Kelda will die ere they're born. This is war to extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screams of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug. Flesh shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth come out. Storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets, swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift lingvals, free doorways, cut word lines, photo falling, word falling, breakthrough in gray room, towers, open fire. Citizen, you are listening to WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. Tilt, blast, pound, stab, strap, kill. Pilot K-9, you are cut off. Back. Return to base immediately. Ride music beam back to base. Stay out of that time, Flack. All pilots, ride pan pipes back to base. Well, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And as Nixon would say, I'm back, I'm tanned, but not rested. <laughs> Went to a little... Adam. Fun outdoor rock gig over there in uh, Wisconsin. I must say, getting through Chicago, though, what a nightmare. But what can you do? Had a good time and saw the band, the jam band Fish. And I'm not a huge Fish fan, but uh, the Saturday night show, for those out there that want to download the, (laughs) the concert, that one is on fire. That is an incredible show. Anyway, uh, obviously a tremendously interesting week. What's going on? All sorts of uh, Everything. odds and ends. Hiking the Appalachian Trail. We'll <laughs> never, by way of Argentina. <laughs> we'll never have the same meaning again. <laughs> that will be uh, oh, man. The, the new cover story for... <laughs> he's, um, he's, you know, he's uh, hiking the trail. He's hiking the trail. Getting back to nature, and I thought it was hilarious when the governor, uh, Sanford, said he wanted to do something exotic. And I thought, uh, rhymes with exotic, dude. <laughs> it's just didn't need a new uh, consonant there. Get rid of the X and put the R in, and you got the, you got it. Although, ironically, he's uh, X-rated uh, what could have been an R-rated uh, relationship. Exactly. How, <laughs> how interesting, how coincidental. Well, X, X's it, it and was, R's confused. Yeah, the the media's pursuit of that story, as it sort of unfolded, um, became humorous in a way because of the, I mean, the reaction from the wife is, you know, mind your own business, click, right. you know, and um, that uh, he, they just were there when he got back. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, who told you I was coming back from Argentina? Yeah. Well, apparently the. The media, the South Carolina media, had been kind of on to this story way before the national media and found it interesting that the wife had kind of told him to take a hike and move out. So I suspect that the trip to Argentina was actually not, uh, well, I'm sure there might have been some exotic and erotic aspects <laughs> to it, but it might have been a little more different than, than we've been led to believe. It might have been, hey, the wife's given me the heave-o. 
uh, what do you think about us getting married? Anyway, obviously That'll another... That would be uh, great for his... Uh, and again, the Republican Party elite... Uh, yeah. Take, one on, uh, take one on the chin. Well, and another presidential contender. It's yeah. remarkable. Jindal, uh, Ensign. Um, it's it's beginning to look like a, a, can, a, a race between Miss Moose and uh, a Dudley Do-Right from Massachusetts, Mitt Romney, with uh, <laughs> some Michigan connections. I think Newt is finished now, too, as well, because of his uh, erotic behavior. <laughs> As Speaker of the House while he's impeaching um, yeah, President with, uh, Clinton. With uh, Newt, though, it's both erotic and erratic. And, of course, uh, Sanford ironically voted to impeach uh, Clinton. Indeed. Back when he was in Congress and uh, called for Clinton. And I'm quoting here from Charles M. Blow's uh, interesting analysis of the propensity for the red states to have the highest divorce rates, teenage birth rates, and subscriptions to online pornography, <laughs> which I found uh, very interesting. That They're way up there. Uh, I can maybe kind of understand Hawaii being in the midst. And of course, Nevada would lead in divorce, but uh, it's amazing that you know eight of the top 10 states for divorce are red states. Uh, they're... They got basically eight of the top ten for teenage birth rates and uh, eight of the top ten for subscriptions to online pornography adjusted for broadband usage, needless yeah. to say. And obviously those are states that have had right-wing political tendencies and strong uh, fundamentalist Christian components. Yeah. And it shows the uh, the failure of the abstinence-only uh, uh, concept for education, which uh, Blow uh, makes... Uh, uh, an observation regarding, but uh, yeah, the uh, interesting uh, comment that he made during Clinton's uh, saga, he called Clinton's behavior reprehensible and said, I think it would be much better for the country and for him personally to resign. I come from the business side. If you had a chairman or president in the business world facing these allegations, he'd be gone. Well, I think not. Exactly. Um <laughs> So, uh, you know, the, the relationship, the, the marriage would mm -hmm. be gone. Yeah. And oh. maybe they'll be able to patch up the marriage. Who knows? Who cares? Um, I suspect that he will actually eventually be forced to resign because there seem to be some other money issues involved yeah. with these uh, hiking trips. Wasn't he one of the governors who declined uh, TARP-related aid? Well, he tried to. It was one of his big, uh, big, uh, like Jindal, uh, mm -hmm. like Rick Perry, who is another uh, prominent Republican mentioned as a presidential candidate, though I think his chances have fallen asunder while uh, advocating uh, secession, of all things. I say, no, no, no secession. Let's just kick him out. <laughs> Whatever. Um, anyway, the Charles Blow up. Uh, the purient trap uh, in Saturday's uh, New York Times. Interesting demographics and social analysis of the difference between the red and the blue states. Very fascinating, by the way, that the blue states are, consist are the, consistently the lowest in divorce rate, teen birth rates, and uh, subscriptions to online pornography adjusted for broadband usage. Anyway, uh, Sanford was uh, rescued a little bit by the uh, demise of Michael Jackson. Um, well, 
death, really. I mean, because yeah. he's been in demise for two decades. Yeah, and I'm willing to sign the death uh, certificate on Michael Jackson uh, because I, I, you know, this is he's out. He out Elvis. Elvis. I mean, we're we're gonna find the gory details. This this story will unfortunately continue for many a year while they sort out this incredibly messy uh, financial situation. It's clear that uh, excessive plastic surgery, too many pills, which has uh, doomed many a uh, person in Los Angeles for obvious reasons. Um, boy, it's rough living out there in L.A. <laughs> you got beautiful weather. You got smog. But, boy, you seem to have a lot of doctors ready to yeah. prescribe pills for every little ailment that... Beleaguers you, but I'm willing. Yeah, I'm willing to sign the death certificate because uh, I think he lost his soul over 20 years ago, and that's obvious by the uh, just obvious excessive descent into weirdness. That, yeah, uh, I mean, super freak. Yeah, <laughs> Rick James. I mean, super on the, on, freaky. Uh, <laughs> and, and Rick James had problems, but uh, <laughs> not like Michael Jackson's problems. No, and, you know, let's be fair. Part of Michael Jackson's problems were his uh, incredible celebrity, that he was yeah. at the eye of a storm, that, uh, you know, the Beatles had each other as a group to mm -hmm. sort of, you know, psychological self-defense. Uh, people like Elvis, individuals uh, like Michael Jackson, at the center of that intensity and degree of media scrutiny, fan idolization, it's got to be a crushing blow to the psyche. So on the one hand, he's, he's damaged by his fame. Clearly, uh, he suffered... What we could call child abuse. I mean, yeah, it's very a, difficult uh, to sort that out. Is a little situation so unclear. Partly the industry, partly uh, an unhappy childhood. But you know, I remember people my age uh, used to be a Saturday morning cartoon of the Jackson Five, uh -huh. and uh, little Michael Jackson was uh, one of the cartoon characters. And uh, that was, I remember, by the way, my first exposure to the Beatles because I was the cartoons. Yeah, I remember the those cartoon. those uh, cartoons as well. Because um, I was, ironically, I'm the same age as Michael Jackson. Okay, I'm fifty, and he was fifty. Yeah, he was um, slightly older than me because he was born in '58. But uh, well, I'm I'm 46 this year, mm -hmm. and I remember my sisters watching this Jackson Five cartoon and thinking, you know, even as a child at the time, that this is not normal. This is a kid who should be watching Saturday cartoons yeah. rather than being a character in one. Sure. And I think, to some extent, Michael Jackson never really uh, outgrew the cartoon character that he became. Yeah. Uh, despite all of his uh, talent and uh, boatloads of, of record sales, uh, ultimately a kind of a doomed individual. Uh, although it's interesting, uh, because of his, his great celebrity, the uh, reports that the... Uh, when the news broke that the L.A. Times uh, website crashed and there was all sorts of uh, heavy mm -hmm. pressure on Internet usage. And, uh, you know, this was the the uh, the great uh, the last great move an artist can make, of course, is to die. Yeah. Uh, sales, you know, oh, Michael Jackson. Oh, boy, everybody's looking to dig up Michael Jackson records and stuff. And well, what so I heard say that, he's yeah. he, he's really been in demise, decline. Career death for almost two decades. Yeah, I think he's just, he's been a dead man walking, and I mean to me the news was neither shocking nor no. uh, a surprise. I'm actually surprised he made it this, this long. long. Yeah, Elvis was only forty two, and he looked 
like a 62-year-old man. Michael yeah. Jackson no longer even looked really human. No, he didn't, and I think that that was the the problem. I mean, it, 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 with him, it's just a fascinating thing. I mean, Elvis was, he just gained weight and had tr trouble <laughs> eating food and doing normal <laughs> things that human beings do, but Michael Jackson had some other just absolutely bizarre thing going on. You know, even buying a ranch and calling it Neverland is strange. Yeah. Um, I'm not an expert on the author of Peter Pan, but I th seem to remember that he had some pedophilia there are tendencies yeah. Yeah, uh, in his background. And, you know, go, walking around with a chimpanzee. I mean, <laughs> this stuff is not normal. And one of the things that I find somewhat troubling about it, even though, look, look, let's face it, the guy was a tremendous performer, bar none, uh, maybe one of the greatest dancers of all time. Uh, I never cared for his music no. personally. It's not my cup of tea. But I can see the attraction because, you know, as somebody that, that you know, is sort of pantheistic on music i you know go in lots of music genre varieties and it's got a beat it's mm -hmm. danceable well it's fun people still like to hear yeah. songs off of the thriller album uh at any wedding party that you know dj is, is playing at um despite the weirdness despite the despite the transformation into some sort of plastic surgery cross between Diana Ross and E.T. Yeah. And if you've ever oh. seen me dancing to a Michael Jackson tune on the <laughs> disco dance floor around the southeast Detroit area, you will have always observed that I danced with my thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> sort of Roman. To show not full enthusiasm for the... Not uh, full, yeah. En yeah. full enthusiasm, but uh, participating in the, the spirit of the moment. Because, sure. uh, let's face it, the ladies love Michael Jackson. Um, so, if you're going to have a good time, <laughs> you can't beat it. So, as the old saying goes, if you can't beat him, join him. But I think at the end of the day, I think that the ultimate psychological thing that I take out of it, despite the just incredible excessiveness, I mean, to find out that a guy grossed $700 million and yet has $500 million of debt. Mm. And, I mean, this is going to be one of the messiest estate battles of all time. Yeah, it really is because of uh, there's still partial ownership of mm -hmm. things like the Beatles catalog yeah. and uh, all sorts of publishing holdings. Um it's it's going to get weird, and of course there's a family attached. Uh, so, it, it, as you say, Michael Jackson in death will continue to give fodder to the tabloids. Fodder to the tabloids, and I, I'm yeah, I, I'm sure that w books will be written. I mean, it's created a whole industry. This is going to be like the Kennedy assassination, the conspiracy theories about Michael Jackson. But I don't think there are any no. conspiracy theories involved here. I think at it's the been end a of very the, public uh, disraveling. Yeah, and I think unraveling. that I think that one of the things that strikes me about it as somebody that's that's you know male is that Michael Jackson just didn't have somebody in his life to grab him by the shirt collar, shake him about a bit. Oh, nice uh, moonwalk in there, Michael. But listen, but listen, you need to grow up and become a man, and that's the problem. Yeah. This guy never became a man and instead he became an alien an alien to himself and i've always thought about the famous oscar wilde novella uh the no, portrait of dorian gray the picture of dorian gray there's something about michael jackson that's uh, 
that mm. where that book symbolically encompasses it. I don't know what it was about him with mirrors, you know. What was he thinking? Yeah. You've got to wonder. And it would be an interesting novel to write. Well, Elizabeth Taylor may have been a dear friend, but she's no father figure. No father figure. and uh, But at least Elizabeth Taylor was somewhat normal. <laughs> she only got married eight times or, or whatever it was. She had a thing for marriage. <clears throat> Michael Jackson had a thing for plastic surgery. And I, I dare say there needs to be a little more maybe media expose of the failed plastic surgery yeah. operations that uh, have caused many a Hollywood celebrity to, quote, disappear. We no longer see them anymore. The well, plastic just... surgery didn't turn out terribly well, and actually their face is kind of ruined. They shouldn't have yeah. done what they Well, why people, especially a performer, to allow yourself to grow old is uh, there's so much pressure on, uh, you know, youth, emphasis on youth, rather, that uh, the idea of growing old is somehow disgraceful. It's natural. It's normal. Uh, think of some of the classic Hollywood stars of yesteryear. As they grew older, their faces changed, you know, before the advent of, like, you know, virtual plastic surgery for everyone. Uh, and think of Humphrey Bogart, you know, how that face changed over a couple mm -hmm. of decades into incredible character. Uh, he, he began with a strong character, but... Uh, Imagine Humphrey Bogart with plastic surgery, and it's uh, it's ridiculous. He wouldn't have worked. No. <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I guess probably uh, what more can be said about Michael Jackson? Not but, much uh, more. I think we can give it a rest. And, of course, our viewpoints do not reflect uh, either the opinions of the management of WCBN or the opinions of the regents of WCBN. <laughs> so uh, we are... <laughs> or the regents of the University of Michigan, I should say. We uh, express our opinions down here freely. Uh, that's why we are grateful that we live in the United States of America, and we uh, always want to remind ourselves of that wonderful fact that we have the First Amendment as the 4th of July approaches. Some uh, good news for Michigan over the week, too. You know, General Motors and General Electric are building in Michigan, and uh, green jobs is part of the orientation therein. Um, I wanted to give out a quick brain damage award, as you seem to be getting organized over there with something, to the uh, congressman from California, Daryl Issa. Uh, he made some incredibly irresponsible comments last week regarding Ben Bernanke, and, you know, who's chairman of the Federal Reserve, calling um, the pressure that allegedly took place behind closed doors. And the meetings were closed door, but this was basically Paulson... Uh, Bank of America and the, the whole Merrill Lynch fiasco. Um, I think he got his facts a little mixed up. I don't think Bernanke was involved in any sort of a cover-up. I think that Bernanke is a student of the Great Depression. He has good reasons for acting the way he did. Paulson, on the other hand, is a different story. And because he came from Wall Street, used to be the chairman of Goldman Sachs, um, there obviously was pressure uh, this is the big debate, but to make irresponsible comments about Ben Bernanke regarding lying and covering up things when Daryl Issa has pretty much given uh, Dick Cheney and George Bush get out of jail passes free courtesy of uh, the Monopoly game. <laughs> 
uh, is completely irresponsible. And I watched some of the testimony uh, over the week, and his uh, perspective on what's going on is a little strange. Um, this is part of this new Republican conspiracy theory that somehow Bernanke and Paulson were engaged in a cover-up to help Obama. It's weird because President Bush was president at the time of all of this. And uh, while some of the Republicans and some of the liberal Democrats in Congress voted against the TARP legislation for different reasons, um, we now know for you know the, that it is a fact that on that fateful weekend of September 12th through the 15th, September 15th being the fateful day when John McCain declared that the economy was sound, despite quite obvious evidence that it was not, <laughs> that there were closed-door meetings uh, between the Federal Reserve and the, and the Treasury Department. Uh, Geithner, uh, as uh, chairman of the Fed of New York, was also there. And we know that the banking system was uh, in big trouble and that there were uh, reasons for why um, these banks were given TARP money and the TARP legislation resulted. This is a much more complicated story than believing there was a cover-up. And uh, Frontline had, by the way, an excellent uh, um, program a couple of weeks ago on the real truth about this. I find, found it interesting that a couple of weeks after Frontline does this documentary about these secret meetings, uh, conservative Republicans in Congress decide to get very interested in the cover-up. <laughs> Mm. Uh, but anyway, Paulson's the Paulson's the man, not Bernanke, to focus on, and uh, the public does need to know more. But uh, to Bernanke is dealing with so many, shall we say, boiling pots on the stove at the same time that uh, it's actually miraculous that uh, things are not worse than they are, and they're plenty bad because uh, we're gonna, I think, next month enter the longest recession. Um, since the Great Depression. This is going to surpass the uh, Reagan 81-82 yeah. recession very shortly, and uh, there are still many problems out there. Well, and uh, entirely, or as the British, uh, as Monty Python particularly would say, now for something completely different. There you go. Uh, a brain damage award from last week that I uh, didn't quite uh, get around to. Uh, there's been a recent uh, story in the news. It's a cultural item, in, in effect, but it involves the colonial legacy. Uh, the Greek government has finally established a permanent uh, new museum on the Acropolis, the site of the Acropolis. And uh, this is the latest uh, effort on the behalf of the Greeks uh, to force or to compel through shame and guilt, perhaps, the British government to return what have become known as the Elgin Marbles, these uh, classical Greek statues uh, that once were a part of the Acropolis itself, uh, so-called Elgin Marbles because a British imperial authority, Lord Elgin, basically purchased them from the Turkish who were <laughs> occupying Greece mm -hmm. at the time. And uh, so half of this frieze, this uh, 6th century B.C. frieze of a beautiful sculpture, was uh, cut down in pieces from this 
Greek historic site and have ever since been housed in the British Museum. Well, the uh, Greek Acropolis Museum just opened last week, and of course, uh, dignitaries from all over the world were invited, including Great Britain. In, amongst them, the Queen herself. Well, the Queen's a busy gal and uh, gives a lot of tea parties and so forth, so her uh, inability to make the shindig is somewhat excusable. But for the British government to essentially blow it off and say that they were, were busy <laughs> with other things is an embarrassment and deserving of a brain damage award. Now, as glad as I'm sure all of us literary scholars are that poet John Keats had the chance to take in these statues at the British National Museum and write his beautiful sonnets about their inspirational splendor, I think the time has long since come for Britain to give back mm -hmm. the Elgin marbles. This is a Greek thing. Uh, the British, of course, uh, in their the bizarre psychology of uh, British colonial history and imperialist uh, ideologies, often saw themselves as the inheritor of the classical world, that we are the Rome of today. And in their heyday, they were. They ran the seas, uh, the most powerful country in the world for a number of years. Uh, but uh, let's face it, it's time to give back the Elgin marbles. And if their emphasis on, uh, you know, spreading the culture of the world uh, through the British National Museum is to be taken seriously, I think we should also take into account this short passage describing... Uh, Lord Elgin's decision in 1860 to burn to the ground the Summer Palace in Beijing. And I'm reading this from uh, Christopher Hitchens' book, uh, Prepared for the Worst. It's an excerpt from a piece he wrote for the Washington Post Book World in May of 1986. It's a, just a shocking passage. Uh, in 1860, uh, Lord Elgin's decision to burn to the ground the Summer Palace at Peking. The Summer Palace was not just a building, it was a gorgeous landscape park of over 200 temples and great houses. Contemporary accounts of it and its contents show it to have been the summit of Manchu taste and civilization, perhaps unequaled in history. Uh, Fraser, the author of this account, uh, through this character called Flashman, shows how Elgin came to his conclusion, revenge for the hideous treatment of British and French prisoners, and why he pressed on to show the Chinese that the son of heaven, their emperor, was a fake. The pages which describe the actual desecration, while Elgin read Darwin and Anthony Trollope in his tent, are vivid, moving, and awful. And uh, so Britain can claim to be the protector of culture and civilization, but they only do so when it serves their purpose. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we can pretend that we are the new classic world. Uh, we are the ancient Greeks. We are ancient Rome. We possess these beautiful sculptures from that legendary time. But uh, as for Chinese uh, artifacts and architectural splendor, burn it to the ground because it doesn't suit British imperial aims. And so it's utter phoniness and utter fraud, and uh, they, they don't have a fig leaf to hide behind on this one. These belong to Greece. Yeah, and it's interesting because a couple of weeks ago, and in, in, in something similarly related but also a little different, uh, I highly recommend to listeners out there to read a book review in the May 28th edition of the New York Review of Books in which Jonathan Friedland, Friedland excuse me, is reviewing a new book. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely going to read this book because sometimes I encounter a subject that sort of blows my mind uh, involving the um, 
dispossession of the island of Diego Garcia mm. uh, in the Indian Ocean by British imperialists and American imperialists that decided... By the British as a fueling station. Yeah, and they had hegemony over this area for a while, but interestingly, this became a, a prized possession of the national security state of the United States government after World War II, and they concocted a sort of fictional deal with the British in which the British would dislocate these indigenous people so that the United States could build one of its key uh, military bases uh, for which to reach both Asia and the Persian Gulf. Diego Garcia has been used by the American government to attack Iraq uh, with the B-2 bomber and other things. And this is just a shocking story that I knew nothing about, literally. Um, but it's, it's, it's a fascinating story because it sort of is an example of how the British and American um, military-industrial complexes think alike. And uh, Washington at one point sweetened the deal to uh, hasten the uh, departure of the local inhabitants, in which a uh, Admiral Elmo Zumwalt, um, who later became the U.S. Chief of Naval Operations, responded in a memo with three clear words regarding the people. They absolutely must go. And Washington paid off the British bill of $14 million for its supposedly independent nuclear weapon, the Polaris missile. So this involves everything. Uh, and it's just a fascinating story about how the United States systematically uh, took possession of this island, dispossessing the indigenous people, and that this is not some unique story, that this actually includes, uh, is one of 14 islands, as, as Freeland points out, in which indigenous people have been displaced. Was Bikini Atoll being yeah. perhaps the most famous? He, he writes the Bikini Atoll, uh, picked for the nuclear test, which the United States, of course, pretty much evaporated, <laughs> blasted into oblivion, um, to Hawaii, uh, taken after uh, Pearl Harbor, to Guam, uh, the Philippines, where the Clark Air Force Base and other U.S. Uh, bases were built, the Navy pushed aside the Aleutian Islanders in Alaska, Puerto Ricans from the small island of Vieques, and the Anugwit people of Danish Greenland, to say nothing of the 250,000 people displaced by the U.S. base in uh, uh, Okinawa, which uh, hmm. fully represents half of the population. And, of course, I mention all of this because tomorrow is supposedly uh, the first stage in America's... Uh, very, very lethargic withdrawal from Iraq. Uh, we're, quote, leaving the cities and turning over things to the Iraqis themselves. But, uh, yeah, this, uh, I'm going to read this book, but I, I highly recommend the article by uh, Jonathan Friedland, A Black and Disgraceful Sight, uh, so that you, listeners out there, and this is from the May 28th edition of the uh, New York Review of Books, giving some of the amazing details about how this uh, cozy little deal between the British imperialists and the American imperialists worked, um, how uh, the Nixon administration, among others, <laughs> announced for plans for Diego Garcia in December of 1970, describing the population 
as a small number of contract laborers from the Seychelles and uh, Mauritius. In other words, nobody really lives there. They're just a bunch of people from some other place. They're in the way, and there are various lawsuits um, <clears throat> involving the relocation of these people. They were basically moved from Diego Garcia to all sorts of places, but uh, some of them actually were allowed to move to jolly old England. I'm sure they appreciate